We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left that. No, we gotta get back, no, we gotta get back. Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left that. No, we gotta get back, like, no, we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg, and tonight I am rejoined by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Glatson. Matt, do you have any spirit left after that? Uh, <laughs> after that embarrassing uh, blowout loss to the Golden State Warriors, the shorthanded Golden State Warriors at that? Not really, man. It uh, it's kind of deflating. I mean, it was it was going okay there for a little while, and then the wheels just kind of fell off, as you know we've seen it happen over the last few weeks. So, uh, well, I. We were, I knew. we were talking about it in, the, in our Twitter DMs at the uh, at the end of the game. There, something is going to have to drastically change here in the next few games, or they're going to be in serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's really bad right now. Uh, you know, even the Hawks game. You know, last night they they had a, a win over the Hawks. It felt good to end a six game losing streak, but. Even the way they finished out that one, Matt, was like <laughs> they made you sweat a little bit, and the Hawks were shorthanded too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, like I told you earlier tonight, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, they're going to have to do something quick because you can get buried fast in the West. 
and it's not going to get any easier. Uh, Schedule-wise, it might, but as we've seen with this team, it doesn't matter who you're playing, uh, and it's just – it's really deflating. But I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know – I don't even remember what the final score was. It was 140-something to <laughs> – it was – it was, it was it was a 30-something point loss, so. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, it doesn't matter what the score is. <laughs> yeah, I, I tuned out so, the last couple minutes, so. But, oh, my gosh, it, it's, it's bad. Uh, honestly, it, it might be their worst loss of the season, um, all things considered, because, I mean, let's let's be honest, this is not a good Warriors team at all. Uh, they're aggressively average at best especially with clay out and the guys that had missing tonight um, to lose by 31, I think it was 31 points to uh, a team like that is just, uh, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know uh, the people listening to this. I don't know if uh, Mavs fans are familiar with the uh, Warriors light years podcast. It's also on the blue wire network with us, but here in a little bit, we're going to be joined by Sam, Andy, and uh, we're going to talk with them a little bit. Uh, but you know, just from a Warriors perspective, <laughs> if if they saw this coming into tonight, because I I have a hunch that they didn't. Uh, but we'll talk with them here in a little bit. But yeah, like I said, Matt, I, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what exactly the answer is. I just know that. Something has to happen because it's not it's not just the losses, it's the way this team is losing. It's it's very uninspiring. Uh I've had to like I, I've sent out too many tweets this year saying, Oh man, that was an embarrassing loss. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you can lose games, but I mean, there's been way too many like tonight where they just seem disinterested. And I, I really have no idea where they go from here. Uh, you know, Luca, he had 27 points, six assists, six rebounds. Uh, you know, he did what he could to keep the Mavs engaged. Uh, they were they were right there in the first half, but the way they were playing defense, I just knew. I was like, oh man, uh, the Mavs are not going to be able to keep hitting threes at this clip, and it's going to eventually catch up with them. And sure enough, it did. Um, Kelly Oubre, a notorious <laughs> versus Mavs all-star. Matt, he averages 12 points per game this season, and he went for 40. He had 40 points, eight rebounds, and uh, two assists. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous how often that happens. Uh, and by the way, I, I did I did finally see the final score. It was 147 to 116. Yeah. And the Mavs were up by two, 76 to 74 at halftime. So that tells you just how bad the second half was. <laughs> Look, I'm I got, not going to do on that, but that's really, really bad. And that's <laughs> – They got outscored by 33 points in the second half. There, there's you, – you mentioned Luca. He looks like the only player on the floor for the Mavericks, at least in my opinion – that is giving effort 100% of the time. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not 100% of the time, but he's the one that looks interested out there. And everyone else just kind of seems like they're going through the motions. Well, Jalen Brunson Jalen Brunson has been really, really good too. He had uh, 
17 points in the first half tonight. He's probably the Mavs' second best offensive player right now. And that's not good. I mean, he had one <laughs> yeah, point. That's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had one point in the second half. But look, I don't know if this is a problem with the players or if maybe we're looking at a bigger problem with what's going on in the locker room or with Rick Carlisle or something. But there's, this is not the team that we saw in the playoffs last year that no. almost you know took the Clippers out. And it's not the team that on paper, even though we were disappointed with everything they did, got better in free agency, you know, marginally, and, and they got yeah. better in the draft. Um, it is not worked and there's no reason on paper for it not to work. And right. I just don't know what to think right now. It's, uh, it's almost embarrassing to be honest. I mean, yeah, this is, this is the, this was the third game where they have had everybody available and it was the sixth game where they had everybody except Maxi available. So the excuses are running out, so I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh, <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty it's, bad it's, when it's you're deflating. We had expectations this season and it's 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 honestly it's deflating. I mean they're they've lost what is it now? Seven out of their last eight. Their only win is over the Hawks, which is not an impressive win. Um, but they almost blew at the end of that one too. At the end. Uh you know, courtside Karen wasn't there. That was probably the only positive from that game that I can recall. So, right. <laughs> it, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Luca, Luca, uh, yeah. and Luca and Quavo getting together at the end. That was a highlight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good for Quavo. <laughs> um, good for Luca. I'm sure they had a great conversation, but I don't know. They need, they need a shakeup. They need it. Very soon, or the season well, totally lost. I mentioned this. I, I didn't mention it on our last pod, but I did talk about it on Twitter a little bit, and I it kind of there were mixed reactions to it. But watching the Mavs play and then watching how they played tonight, it makes you wonder if Rick Carlisle is able to motivate this team anymore. I'm not saying the team. I'm not saying the players don't like Rick and I'm not saying that he's not a good coach because he is I just wonder if his message is getting through anymore you know uh, like I, I just I, I don't know if it's resonating uh, and you know if they end up having uh, to make a coaching change I don't think it should be reflected on him negatively I just think sometimes Sometimes you just run your course with certain guys, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, mean, look, I, look, it, it, it happens in football all the time. Uh, Matt Brown at Texas, he was there for almost two decades. Yeah. And he was one, he's one of the best coaches in college football history, but his, you know, his time at Texas ran its course and they let him go and it was sad. And, you know, it was, it was, a, you know, it was a mutual, um, mutual breakup, so to speak. And he, now he goes to North Carolina and they're one of the, the top programs in the country. 
Uh, the same thing with Andy Reid in, in Philadelphia. You know, he goes to Kansas City and they won a Super Bowl. I mean, sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're just your time ends with a team and you, you go on to the next, you go on to the next opportunity and that's fine. It happens to everybody. It, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Rick right now. It just seems right. like it, that it could be trending in that direction. And it's really unfair to Rick too, because I mean, as much as people talk about that, you know, the, the front office kind of gets a pass or they have gotten a pass from a lot of people just because they did make the trade for Luca uh, on draft night and they did acquire KP and, at the time, what was considered a, a steal, and it still might be. We'll just have to, you know, see how he continues to come back from that. But, uh, you know, the front office, they they have not done a good job giving Rick uh, the best support. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed casts for Luca that they could have. You know, they pretty much wasted Dirk's prime, uh, not prime, his twilight years. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It, <laughs> we're going to talk about this a little bit more with uh, with Sam and Andy and the, the light years crew. So, Matt, we're going to end it right there, and then we will we'll be right back, and we'll be talking with them about the, the Mavs Warriors and some bigger picture things. So, Y'all hang with us. We'll be right back. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. And we are back. We are doing a little cross pod. This is Samus Fandiari and Andy Liu with Light Ears. We are doing cross pod with Mav Stepback, Dalton Trigg, and Matt Gal. Matt, it's, how do I say your last name? <laughs> I apologize. It's, it's Galatson. It's okay. Uh, Glad. Nobody, you know what? Like, of all it, people, right? Of all people to not get someone's last name right, especially like I'm, I'm very sympathetic to that because no one gets my last name right. Right. So I was about I to say bad. I can't I feel... pronounce your name either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Dalton. Let's start there. We we have I think the main take from this is this was a tribute game to Don Nelson. We uh, we both grew up with Nelly coaching our favorite teams. 
So nothing more fitting than what was the final score? Like 180 to 170. Like <laughs> a lot to a little. 147 yeah. to 116. Uh, and, you know, Matt and I, we were talking about before we came on here too, the fact that that was the final score after the Mavs led 76 to 74 at halftime is just <laughs> – it's just unreal. Uh, I, I just – I can't believe that, that this Mavs team showed such little pride, uh, especially with the way they've been playing now. This is the third game uh, that they've had everybody available for them. And uh-huh. I just – I don't know, man. Uh, it was very deflating. We, but like you said, it was a tribute to Don Nelson, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. Can, can we start there? I'm a, I'm a little – so I kind of didn't get down on the Mavs when they had a slow start considering, uh, you know, they were in the bubble. And everyone except for Luca had COVID. <laughs> and uh, they, they had – you know, so I was kind of figuring they'd come around. But, like, just watching him tonight, like – it doesn't look like they're moving in the right direction. Like they're, I, I, I had them firmly in the playoffs and now I'm wondering if they're going to be a playoff team at this point, I guess I want to start with asking you guys where you're at with this team. Like how down are you on them? Are they real? Are you, are you, is it time to blow the roster up in some way or where are you at? Well, I'll, I'll take it from here for a minute. <laughs> uh, I was, I was one of the, the ones who was, I was kind of on your side here for a long time. Like I thought that they were going to eventually figure this thing out once they got everyone back. And yeah, it's three games and they, they don't, you know, they're still kind of out of sync, but I think it's more than that. I, I think it's, there, there's something else going on. And that's kind of what we talked about in the beginning of our, of, you know, our section of the pod sure. was we, we don't know what's happening. It, they look unmotivated. They, they look, you know, despondent they it just it doesn't look like the team we've seen um you know with with Luca at the helm I mean even when they were bad with Luca they still looked like they wanted to play I mean you Mm kind of and we talked about this too but it's like with Rick Carlisle you kind of wonder if his message just isn't resonating with these guys anymore and that's not saying I was gonna ask that yeah, yeah I mean it's not saying that he's a bad coach or anything it's just I don't think huh I don't think that it's resonating with them anymore. And it's it's not fair for Rick to take all that criticism because the front office has done such a bad job, you know, surrounding Luca these last couple of off seasons. Oh, now but, we can have now we can have some synergy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I do worry that uh that these guys just aren't listening or they're not applying what, what Rick is preaching at this point. What what is Rick trying? And I and I asked this guys because I'm now I'm very curious because is it is it a is it a Rick's philosophy versus what's you know the trends in the NBA today? Is it that type of thing? Like what what is it that they're not trying to? What is it that isn't making sense? Because you're right, these guys look like they didn't really want to play tonight, even though it was a back to back. I mean, even you know, regardless of that, it's a back to back. They look in, like they didn't want to play. In my opinion, I think it is a philosophy thing because. They they wanted to add defense this offseason, but I think they overcorrected a little bit. You know, they, they overcorrected, and now Rick is uh, – you know, the philosophy, it's like they're trying to play like that same team that had the historic offense last season, but it's just not happening. <laughs> you know, they, they got hot in the first half hmm. of this game tonight, and they got a little bit of confidence. So, yeah, they're going to keep shooting all these threes, and then they came back to earth in the second half, and you saw the results <laughs> – 
got outscored by 30 plus in the second half. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is a philosophy thing, but then just from a, just from a general motivation standpoint, you know, I mean, uh, Matt and I talked about this. It happens in all sports, you know, eventually certain guys just kind of run their course uh, where they're at. And I just, I worry that that time's getting closer for, for Rick. So. Wow. wow for a guy, yeah. For a guy that we thought, I mean, top five head coach, you know, top, and again, top 10 at least. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with that, Andy. I, I, I fully agree with that. I just, you know, there's going to be a scapegoat at some point, And I just don't know if the Mavs front office is going to be willing mm-hmm. to, to take that blame, you know, is, is Luca, does Luca have a Trey Young problem too? I'm watching a little bit of this because we, we love Steph over here, unshockingly. And one of the, <laughs> one of the cool things about Steph is that guys love playing with Steph, right? So is, and, and Trey Young, is, there's been reports this season where guys don't like playing with Trey. And it's uh, also like Luka? a James Harden thing where it's just like the yeah. ball's always in their hands. And, you know, it's not always fun for guys to play with a guy who, he literally thinks he's a quarterback, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. No. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, it could be, we, we, we don't know that for a fact, but I, I think it's more that um, they're, they just, they just don't, they just don't look like they want to be on the floor as a team. It doesn't, it, I don't think it has anything to do necessarily, necessarily with Luca. I mean, they, they, I guess they kind of have to say it, during the off season and during practices and stuff, how much they love playing with him and how much he makes them all better. But I mean, it's, well, it seems to me be, from being in the building over the last couple of years that they do have a real camaraderie and they like playing with him. They like being around him. I just think that it's, it's more like what Dalton said about Rick's thing running its course. I mean, it, I liken it to Andy Reed and the, and the Eagles and then going to the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, it just, it ended and, Maybe it's time for it to end for Rick. So I want to I want to bring this to the Warriors real quick, if you guys don't mind. Um, one thing I noticed from the Mavs tonight, and they shot the ball reasonably well, forty uh, percent, twenty for fifty. You'll you'll take that most nights from three. Yeah. Um, but like you guys, uh, for the season, worst three point percentage, and but but it's not stopping the team from shooting them. That's for sure. Right. Um, I'm wondering if you guys are running, because like with the Warriors, we've been running into this issue where Steve Kerr has prioritized playing defensive length over shooters. It didn't, not tonight. You know, tonight we got a healthy dose of uh, Michael Mulder and Damian Lee, both of whom I would describe as limited players, but really good shooters, right? Like, you know, they're not going to get a defensive stop for you, but they'll, they'll hit their threes if they're wide open. Like the, the Seth Curry type of player where you're like, okay, Seth isn't as all around good as Josh Richardson, but the thing he's good at is a very important skill. Um, I'm wondering, are the Mavs running into that same issue where it's kind of like, I don't want to call it a math problem because that simplifies it too much, but it's like, if you're just chucking threes and no one on your roster is an elite marksman. It, it's just, it, it starts leading to guys, you know, head slunking. Like we dealt with this all, like tonight's a bad example because Kelly Oubre apparently turned into Kevin Durant, <laughs> but, uh, but like for most of the <laughs> <Typical>. season, <laughs> but most of the season, Kelly Oubre has been like, you know, he's letting it fly, but it's like, he ends the game one for five. He ends the game 
you know, two for seven from three, that type of stuff where you're just kind of like, it's, it's bad. And it, it, it gets back to the overall roster building of both teams where it's like, you, you might think, you might be overcorrecting with the defense thing where it's like, you know, you can have all the defense in the world. If no one could put the ball in the hoop, guys just stop defending after a certain period of time. Yeah. And I mean, part of the problem is, and that, that goes back to what I talked about earlier about the, the philosophy needing needing to change a little bit because you don't have Seth Curry anymore. And that trade is so far, looking like a steal for the Sixers. They're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference standings, and Seth's been incredible. I think he's shooting right at 50%. 800%, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) he's been amazing for them. And, you know, Josh Richardson, I think he's a 30 – what is he, a 35% career three-point shooter, and he's shooting like 28% right now. Uh, KP, he's in that 28% range shooting threes. So – uh, two of the main guys that are supposed to be giving uh, Luca a little bit more help in that regard, they're just they're not uh, they're not doing it so far, and that's really hurt. But I want to touch on what you mentioned earlier, Sam, about you know whether players don't like playing with Luca. I don't think that's the case either, because I mean he does handle the ball a lot, but. He's probably, I mean, nobody else on the team can really create for themselves other than maybe Jalen Brunson. So, I mean, he kind of has to have the ball a lot when he's out there and he still creates a ton. Matt and I have talked about this so many times this year that it's getting redundant. But, you know, if, (laughs) if guys hit wide, not just any shots, wide open shots, Luca would be averaging about 13 or 14 assists per game. I mean, that that's how many wide-open shots he generates uh, during a game, and guys just cannot hit them, whereas last year they probably would have. So, Absolutely. So I, w- I want to ask you guys um, – I want to I bring this back to the Warriors a little bit. So you guys probably haven't watched as many Warriors games as us. Um, what were your impressions of what you saw? Are you more like – oh, damn, Steph's still really good, or is it more of a, God, the Mavs looked really depressing tonight type of situation for you? It was it was both for me personally, but, you know, I, I knew early this season when everybody was saying, oh, Steph looks washed and everything, I knew that wasn't going <laughs> to – that wasn't going to – Hold up, yeah. because good, good man. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have potted with you if you answered. No, that no. Steph, Steph is amazing. I we always figure it's going to be a long night when he gets going, but it was Kelly Oubre tonight, which <laughs> makes it even more depressing. So Ugh, I can't imagine. <laughs> and honestly, it and it it makes us depressed because you know it's like the next game he's going to go zero for ten again. And we've seen this show. This is our first Kelly Oubre rodeo. So we, we came into the season kind of expecting Oubre to be like what his number said he'd be. Turns out he's just like, he's, he, I call him GameStop. You know, one day he's, one day he's eight for 10, the next day <laughs> one for 10. Like you just yeah. never know what you're getting out of it. It's guy. Harrison yeah. Barnes. <laughs> no, yeah. well, no, Andy, I wish he was Harrison Barnes, sure. honestly. Who, by the way, is weirdly having an amazing year. And yeah. right. I, we, we both, uh, we both had our rodeos with Harrison Barnes. Oh, that's uh, what you meant. I got it. Yeah. yeah I was going to say the, the and the Andy, Harrison Barnes tenure with the Warriors didn't end well, and I don't think it did with the Mavericks either. So, and Andy, uh, going back to Ubre, and you know, saying that you expected more just judging by his numbers, 
his numbers are inflated by the times he beats the Mavs in previous years because <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's with the Suns or if, if he's with the Wizards. It doesn't matter. Kelly Oubre kills the Mavericks every time he plays. Really? Them. <laughs> wow, he's Dalton your guy's Will Barton. Dalton has developed a term that we like to call uh, versus Mavs All Star. <laughs> Okay. And yes. It, there's a few of them around the league. Kelly Oubre is one of them. Uh, DJ Augustine is another. Uh, just it doesn't matter how good their team is, what they're doing that year, they will come in and score 30, 40. Points. Hey, the I'm, definition. I'm looking, up his, I'm looking up his numbers versus Dallas, and this checks out. Yes. The de- <laughs> the definition of a versus Mavs All Star is a guy who severely outperforms his season averages against the Mavs. And that, that was that was by the definition what happened tonight, and it's been consistent throughout his career. So you know, it is what it is. I feel like the the versus Warriors All Star is is Will Barton. Like Will Barton, he's a good player, <laughs> right? You know, fine player. Against right. the Warriors, I swear to God, he it's thirty every time or something ridiculous. And it's not just like he's hitting open shots. It's like runners off one foot with two hands in his face type of 30s right Rodney Stuckey used to be up there <laughs> yes Rodney look go, and uh Sam going back to the just the game tonight and how depressing it was from Arian what added to it was you know you, you guys had nine players available and you know <laughs> you didn't have one center on the roster you know James Wiseman was out uh I don't think you'd consider Pascal Pascal a, no. a, a center, but he was out. Uh, who else is out? Oh, Looney. Looney's out. Um, yeah. So Mike's I smile Yeah, smile Yeah. Come on. The fact that the Warriors were so uh, um, undermanned themselves made it even worse. But I mean, I, I'm curious to get both of you guys' thoughts on uh, James Wiseman so far because I've only watched you know a couple of games where I've really. Uh, focused on him, and I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. I'm, I'm interested to get y'all's we're, thoughts on ooh, him. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Now we I want to hear. Yeah, we were actually potting on him earlier because um, anytime another rookie has a big game, it's like yeah. a referendum. Yeah, on on James Wiseman, <laughs> and like particularly, it's been Lamelo Ball, who's been—I don't know if he's been the best rookie. He's definitely been the most exciting rookie. Yeah. So. So you just get warrior fans who kind of like get, um, how did we pass on that guy? You know, uh, oh, imagine if he was next to Steph, you know, and it's like, yep. oh yep. man, this is another DeAndre Lucas situation. It was something I saw today. I was like, guys, it's a little early to go there. But like, it's, it's uh, you know. It's never too early on Twitter. It's, it's never too early. I feel like oh, that's God. just, I feel like that's also the thing with big men in, the modern NBA, unless it's a big man who has like legitimate perimeter skills, so much of what they do is just not, you know, exciting. Right. Like um, we were watching inside the NBA earlier tonight and it's, I'm not going to say Chris Stapps had a good I'm game so or a bad game or anything, but it's like, they're just harping on Chris Stapps to like go post up and act <laughs> like he's prime Shaq. Right. When you're like <laughs> in 2021, that's not really what you, um, what you want from a big man, unless it's like the rare exception, like a Joel Embiid or someone, right? So, yeah. Um, but with that said, um, I think we've been mostly happy with James Wiseman. It's just a lot of, uh, he's such a raw player. It's like, he's, you can see whatever you want when you watch him is my thing. It's like, 
he gives you at least two highlights a game where you're like, oh, he's like Giannis and Dirk combined into one, you know? <laughs> and then he gives you like two highlights where you're like, he might be Kwame Brown, you know? Like, it's like that level of variance and kind of uh, just raw rookiness. And like, everyone knows the story, you know, three college games, get suspended. And then we have the right. whole pandemic. So it's like, he's basically the equivalent of a high school player to the NBA, right? So it's just, it's, it's, it's all over the map with him for me. I want to, I want to hear what you guys think though, is like outside observers who aren't watching every game, you know, on the edge of your seat, like Warriors fans. Well, I mean, like I said, I've only watched him a couple times this season. And when I did watch him, I mean, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, I mean, I do wonder, you know, we talked about, you know, how Rick's philosophy isn't working with this current Mavs roster, but I wonder you know, what Steve Kerr has been used to over the years, I wonder if that philosophy is keeping, you know, Wiseman from being utilized to to the best of his ability. I mean, what do you think about that? Now you're speaking, now you're speaking languages that we speak right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the good, this is the good content. Uh, we don't, like me, me personally, I think some of these players are put in good situations. Sam makes a point like guards are going to, well, one, they're more exciting, right? And then I personally think some of these guys just put in situations to succeed um, like LaMelo ball and Tyrese Halliburton. And it just, there's no, there's no pressure on these guys. They can do whatever they want at any time. Thing with Wiseman is, especially when you're playing on the Warriors, there's so much pressure on him to be good. And, yeah. and I, look, he's younger than my little sister. Like the guy, like he's, <laughs> he's not, like a legit, he's 19 years old has never played a game. The last time he played a real basketball game was against five, eight dudes like, what are we, like, there's no, it's, it's tough. It's tough for the guy. So, um, and then you throw that on top of it um, to your point, Steve Kurt is putting him into a system. That's not easy to pick up unless you're like, unless you've it's played a in system the for veterans. five years. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and, well, well, unless, Kelly Oubre, even that, like, you know, he, he's never going to pick it up. And, and like, it's, a, it's a system for guys like, you know, like, like really smart vets that like Marcus saw would have been perfect. Right. Like guys like that. So it's a tough situation for James Wiseman. It's not like, I think a lot of people thought like, oh, he's going to come in here. It's going to be easy. He's just going to get lobs all day from, from Steph and Draymond. And maybe that would have been true if Clay was on the floor, maybe. But uh, he's in a tough situation, and I almost think right now the injury is good for him. Like, he gets to sit for a week. He gets to sit for two weeks. He gets to watch basketball and slow down a little bit. Um, and I think it'll be good. But uh, it, is, it, is, it is interesting to hear that you guys do like him um, watching from the outside because we have been hearing the same from a lot of people that aren't, like, zoned in on the Warriors all day. Yeah. You aren't overreacting to every <laughs> dropped pocket pass. You know, it's like yeah, that's, that's exactly. the thing. Sometimes he can be such a um, – yeah. victim of uh you know like micro analyzing every possession to mean yeah. way too much right that's what we went through uh early this season with uh Jalen Brunson mm, you right. know because he he didn't play in the bubble he had a, a shoulder injury uh last season that ended his his year and then you know he struggled out of the gates and now he's like on pace for a 50 40 90 season he's been a Ooh. just a real pleasant surprise uh this year but yeah we you can't microanalyze little things like that, uh, especially for younger guys. And if there's something, if you think that, you know, they're not being utilized correctly, uh, you just have to give it time and see how it goes. But look, I'll let Matt talk on this and give his thoughts, but just the Warriors in general, 
you know, I, I feel like in my opinion where I had them, you know, uh, before the season started, even after, um, uh, even after the clay news broke that he got injured, I feel like they've overachieved a little bit to this point, even as good as Steph is as good as Draymond has been. Well, maybe not has been, but he was tonight. I haven't kept up with him <laughs> throughout yep. the season, but I feel like, you know, they've really surpassed a lot of people's expectations to this point. Uh, Matt, I mean, do you feel the same way as, as, as much as you've watched of them so far? Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched a good deal of them, but um, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, when you have someone like Steph, um, you can overcome a lot. Uh, I mean, you saw what they were like without any of their guys last year. And, you know, this, this last place. Yes. <laughs> and like in, in this year, it's, it's been, uh, it hasn't been much easier since Clay's been out. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you got a couple more bodies here and there, but Steph's having to carry a big load and you can see how, how much of an effect he has. I mean, he's literally, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, maybe Giannis, but I don't think it's Giannis, Matt. Come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry, but Giannis. Our our <laughs> listeners roasted him so many times over the offseason because he said Giannis. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I don't think there's another player in the NBA where when the ball's in his hands, you're just kind of like, uh oh, oh no, oh no. And it just like it affects everybody else's <laughs> mood on the floor. And I, I think that's one of the reasons the reasons the Warriors are are uh, kind of overachieving right now is just because Steph being out there and his present presence, even when he's not playing particularly well, I think it makes a huge difference in, in the outcome of the game just because of who he is. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like this- you guys are more uh, you guys you guys get it because um, Dirk had a similar effect for most of his career that was kind of underappreciated by like just the the he got like two two defenders on him at all times right like that sort of thing and he made a lot of guys who were fine you know like jason terry's a fine player josh howard was a fine player there's nothing wrong with either of them i don't think either of them were nearly as good as their numbers indicated if they were not playing in a context of a guy who gets that much defensive attention at all times. And I still feel like I, I, Steph, I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone in the NBA as a scorer who freaks out a defense the way Steph Curry does. And tonight, Kelly Oubre was the beneficiary. Like, yes, Kelly Oubre hit a bunch of shots. They were wide open. But, like, how many layups did he get or – various baskets he get as a function of like Steph running in a circle, taking three eyeballs with him. And then like, well, yes, he's an NBA player. He can, you know, if you give Kelly Oubre a a lane, he should theoretically be able to score. Yeah. Yeah. The, the gravity of a generational talent can't be understated. I mean, it's uh, like you said with Dirk, we we saw it for years, you know, he made chicken salad out of chicken. I won't say, I don't know if y'all are going to bleep me out or not, but you get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you uh and not saying that he didn't have some good rosters during his time but you know uh, especially towards the end of his career during his twilight Shout out Monte Ellis yeah Monte Ellis that was a fun team I missed that team actually but after that Monte team it was just it was kind of depressing how Dirk went out and that was the that was the result from the uh from the Mavs front office just not uh instead of putting pieces in place that weren't necessarily what we call big fish, 
Right. You know, uh, they, they went big fish hunting all the time. And as a result of them failing in that, they weren't able to have hardly any talent on the roster. And it just, it made him go out sad. But anyway, <laughs> kind of went down a rabbit hole there. But you're right. I mean, having a player like, like Steph who can draw so much attention and make everybody else better, uh, you see the difference between when he was out last year and now he's back this year. And right now the Warriors are in the playoff picture. Um, I really hope the Mavs can turn it around, though, because like I said, we we spoke about this on a number of occasions towards the end of last year and then over the offseason. Last season was the last year that the Mavs weren't going to have any expectations because Luka broke through and became an all-NBA player and they, they had right. a historic now he's, offense and now it's like you know they're expected to do all this great stuff and now he has top 10 player expectations that the, right. this isn't our year thing doesn't fly and, anymore and and i mean to be fair to luca he's holding up his his end of the bargain uh as far as how he's playing personally but it's just it's unfortunate that he hasn't been able to get the help that he needs to uh, have the Mavs have a better record because he's taking some criti- criticism from it uh, in the national media when it's it's really not his fault. Yeah, Kill- Kenny Perkins has not been kind to, uh, to Luca <laughs> over the last few weeks. Not that that really means anything yeah. for Perk, but I mean that's what happens when you're when you're someone like Luca's. Uh, you know, it's just like a quarterback in the NFL. If if your team's not playing well, it's all on you, and that's what he's facing. Well, I mean, we went through it at the beginning of the season when, like, you can tell who really disliked Steph Curry with, like, just the saliva and excitement they got out of him having, like, two bad games. Like, there's there was a specific, like, class of pundit who was like, I told you he wasn't that good. I'm like, dude, it's two games. Relax. Um, I want to actually tie it back, though. This, is, this was the number one topic I wrote that I wanted to discuss with you guys, and, of course, we never got to it. Um, uh, Christoph Porzingis had a pretty solid game tonight. Um, you know, I don't get, I don't care what they, the, the inside the NBA guys like it, shocking. The two greatest post-up players of all time. Think a player should post up. Like that's not like really a concern of mine, but like in general, outside of tonight, most of the Mavs games I've watched, he's been subpar. And yeah. it does seem like, I don't know if it's an injury thing or an accumulation of injuries, meaning he's now this player. Where are you guys with him? Because I said this to Andy, if Wiseman can be what Chris Stapps was pre-injury, but with superior athleticism and defense, I would be thrilled. Um, just because like a big who can space the floor and block shots is very valuable. Um, but I mean, he's even tonight, like he, yes, he hit shots. I don't think he played particularly well. Yeah. I, uh, I've been more forgiving on KP than I think a lot of people in the Mavs universe has over the last, um, okay. few days. And, you know, since he's been back, but man, even, even now I'm starting to kind of lose it. I mean, he, he's had a good <laughs> couple of games, but I, I, I don't trust it. I, I don't know if he's going to go back to to what he was doing uh, before he got that tech against Atlanta, because before that, literally up to that point, he's just been terrible. And it's 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 disheartening because I've been a staunch believer this entire season that I mean, because people have been mentioning him in trade ideas for the Mavs. And, you know, that's that's just how it goes when a player is playing bad. But 
I've been very firm that I don't want anything to happen to him in a trade. I don't care who it's for. Well, and I mean, and I mean, look, he he's struggled a little bit, but I think it's another. It goes back to how, like, the Mavs' overall team struggles are kind of putting more of a magnifying glass on KP. Because if you look at his stats after 11 or 12 games last season when he came back, uh, and it was the first time he had played in, like, two years from that ACL injury, I mean, he's actually doing, you know, just from an overall stat standpoint, average standpoint, he's doing about as well as when he came back uh, last season. So – it takes him a little bit to get going. The The big issue with KP, though, is like once he does get going, once he does get it rolling, can he hold up? Because it seems like every time he gets it going and, he, you know, we see what we saw in the uh, the NBA bubble where he was – he made the all-bubble first team and <laughs> he was putting up 34 and 13 against the Clippers in the playoffs and then, you know, he tears his meniscus and then you have to start the rehab process all over again, and he has to work his way back, and yada, yada, yada. You know, it just goes on and on. So that's the biggest thing with KP is, like, when he – because he, I have no doubt he will get it going again. It's just can he can he get it going and stay healthy? But I'm from, from a Warriors perspective, or just the outsider perspective from you guys, like, what do you think about KP as far as, like, do you think he can be – a second star on a championship team because I mean, like Matt said, we've been kind of forgiving of, you know, his shortcomings thus far, but I'm kind of at the point where I don't know if he can be. I, I'm going to radio show host this one, but uh, (laughs) man, he looks soft to me. Like I just, to me, it's just like, look, I get it. Yeah, I know. I get the – and it's like I don't even want him to post up. Like, I get it, man. Like, it's 2021. Like, that's not what we're doing, right? <laughs> but he's got a stroke. I Look, look. James Wiseman doesn't have a stroke that looks as nice as uh, as KP. Not Paul. nearly as quick. Not yeah. nearly as – like, that thing is beautiful. Um, but, like, either the injuries guys have taken a hold of him physically or, or just maybe he just doesn't care about defense – he kind of like I, I know there was stuff with him, you know, in New York where he kind of didn't want to play the five. Playing the five is grueling, right? Um, some of the stuff tonight where it's just like I'm watching Draymond. And I think Draymond was just like, yeah, hell yeah, give me KP. Like this, like give yeah. it to me, give it, give it, give it, give it all. Like I want it because, like, he's not posting him up. He's not making him work. Like well, KP's thing is just like he'll space and he'll make it tough for big men, right? And Draymond's not really like a big guy. I, I just. Is he going to be a second? I don't. I don't think he's even like. I, can you like? I, but I think part of that's injuries, though. Like part of that, I don't think is his fault. Like to me, it kind of feels like the guy has had so many injuries that he kind of can't be that second star anymore. But um, yeah, and I mean, like I said, like when that. he went at the beginning of last season too, it was the same thing. You know, he was he was more tentative on the on the def- defensive end. You know, he. He wasn't blocking as many shots. His lateral movement just wasn't there. Yeah. But then, you know, as the season progressed, and then especially when they came back for the bubble, he was just a monster. You know, he was moving a whole lot better. He was swatting shots left and right, you know, staying in front of people. So I I really do think it may be an injuries taking its toll kind of thing. You know, somewhere in the back of his mind, he's thinking, okay, I'm best utilized at the five, but what if I get hurt again? You know, because it's happened so many times. It's like AD, right? Like AD needs a guy next to him so he doesn't get hurt. Like he needs Mark until it's the playoffs. 
And I was going to throw this in. Um, I might be a little more optimistic on KP, but like to me, yeah, like in the bubble, uh, at least before, you know, he left the bubble, uh, (laughs) um, he looked awesome. He looked like pretty much exactly what you'd want from a center. And a player I'd feel very confident being the second best player on the team. Maybe you need a third scorer on the team, but like a player who's very much worth his contract. Um, But it just feels like he's in a cycle of rehab. Like I want to see him have three straight years without an injury because he's clearly talented enough. Um, He's got the touch. He has feel too, but it's like, too often is it always like I'm coming off of a knee thing. I'm coming off of uh, another knee thing or whatever it may be. And you can see where he looks slow tonight. He looked slow, but I've also seen this specific version of KP block Draymond at the rim. You know, maybe his knee feels a little better on another night and he closes a little harder because the, the beauty of being seven, eight or whatever the hell he is, uh, is, uh, you don't need to move as fast as Draymond to to block the layup. You just you yeah. need to be able to close on him, right? So for me, it's it's completely a health question because um, the skill set still is unicornish, you know. However, uh, overused that term is, as always. Uh, but none of it matters if he can't stay healthy. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think tonight... that's a cycle that. Sorry, but I, I think that's a cycle that you can't continue to let play out after a certain amount of time because you're going to you're going to start losing the team i think if if this kind of thing keeps happening and you're always like well when we get kp back when we get kp back when we get kp back and then he gets hurt hurt again so it's just it's a it's a vicious cycle and it's one that i don't know if they can keep you know affording to to risk their their future on it's just it's not worth it to me anymore I'm actually surprised, you know, like you said, he, he had a pretty decent game tonight, but you know, that, that shows you how, how dire of a situation the Mavs are in right now, because KP doesn't play back to backs and he did tonight, (laughs) you know, so that, that never happens. Is, is is that a, uh, because they want to start playing him or because like, they're just, they want to be, they want to be cautious because they don't want something to happen. Well, the idea before they started this season, I think they're what eight and or no nine and four nine and fourteen. So the thought was, okay, he won't play back to backs, and you know you lessen your chances of something happening to him before you get to the playoffs. You know, get to the playoffs with KP completely healthy. Well, now what do you do if you're (laughs) if you're making up ground the rest of this season and just clawing to get into the playoffs? I mean, how's that going to work? You know. I don't know. It, it's a bad situation right now. You're going to end up playing the Lakers and you're going to get stomped. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> it might, might not even make the playoffs, man. Yeah, I mean, make it. yeah, that would be a disaster though. I, I really hope they get it together or they make a trade or, you know, do something, uh, do something to shake it up and inject some energy into this team because that would just be an absolute disaster if this team missed the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're at with the Warriors. I, two different spots. You have a young star who hasn't committed long-term. Um, well, I mean, he hasn't even got an extension, so we don't need to start going down that road. But uh, <laughs> on the other hand, the Warriors have, I mean, Steph is one of, 
the two or three best players of the last decade, um, transcendent all-time player. And he's turning 33 in a couple months. And we, with the Warriors, feel like, you know, as exciting as James Wiseman is, will James Wiseman realize his all-star potential before Steph turns 36? Like, these are conversations we have where it's, I don't want to compare it to Dirk too much, but like, it's similar where you're dealing with like, how all in do you want to go? Because you have a player that you, you know, it may be a long, long time before the Warriors have someone ever as good as Steph Curry. Right. Like, yeah. um, It's one of those things where it's like, everyone wants to pull the spurs where it's like, Oh, we're just going to draft a guy and he's going to extend our dynasty for another eight years, you know? (laughs) Um, But like you and I both know that's, that's not how it normally works. And th- that's kind of the thing that the Warriors are dealing with where we're kind of like, I really like James Wiseman. I think he's had a very good rookie year, all things considered. But at what point do we look at the fact that Steph Curry is still one of the two or three best players in the NBA? He's still very, you can very clearly build a title contender around him. Let's at minimum, he's shown he's still that guy. And you know, they're not competing this year because Clay's hurt, but when are they, you know, you can't just do the let's develop Wiseman for 2024 thing either. Yeah. I mean, look, as much as, as much as I like Wiseman, I think if you could do something like with the Washington Wizards (laughs) and end up getting Bradley Beal, with some kind of trade package. I mean, I, I'd do that in a heartbeat because, like you said, you you do want to maximize uh, the rest of Steph's prime, which, I mean, I, I can say he's still in his prime. I know he's 33, but, I mean, I definitely still think he's in his prime. He is. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you put another player by him like Bill, and then you get Clay Thompson back. And, you know, if Draymond can play like he's been playing, I think you have, you know, another championship contender. So, that's what that's what I would do. Uh, the question is though, if you can't do that, I mean, <laughs> you, you want to push the right buttons because, like we saw with Dirk, you know, they swung for the fences so many times trying to keep him in contention. And I mean, when they whiffed, it just it made everything. It was a snowball effect, and it just got worse and worse. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it it's hard. It's a hard conversation to have. But I mean, if I if I was in that position with Steph Curry, I would, I would go all out and try to get a guy like Bill. I actually, we, and, and, and we'll get you out of there after this one, but I think, uh, I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> I don't think they'll <laughs> and do that's that. That's a different, I, I don't, that's a different conversation in another yeah, two hours. <laughs> that's yeah. and, I, and I think that's, that's what the, I think that's what the Warriors are trying to avoid. And I think you can argue that's right or wrong. And I think you'd be right. Both sides. Like, I think both sides could be correct. You like, you just genuinely don't know if you knew then anybody could do their job. Right. Like, well, I guess anybody could be Kirk or Kent. You just got to be born into. Being and the, look, <laughs> and look, I'm perfectly fine with the Warriors not doing that because I have my own personal Bradley Beal dreams uh, <laughs> sure. for the Mavericks. So Mark seems like uh, he'd do it though in a second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I hope they do something here quick because it's yeah. uh, it's it's. Are you guys gonna have Kelly Oubre? 
Maybe an unprotected future first, maybe. maybe. I mean, yeah, you know, I'll, the Mavs. Uh, I'll keep him. I, I'm, I'm not a big. Uh, <laughs> ah, okay. I'm not a big fan, but you know, yeah. uh, it's probably the best thing they're gonna be able to do next offseason anyway. So <laughs> he has to, he has to actually see the Maverick uniform in front of him ah. to maximize his abilities. So I don't think wearing it would do much. I'd probably make it worse, actually. <laughs> well, it can't get any worse actually than shooting five percent from three, but. You guys, this was, this was fun, guys. We, we need to do this again sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. This is uh, a good time. You guys are awesome, man. We appreciate it. And, and we're back Saturday, so we'll see you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll see how that one goes, huh? Oh, man. Hopefully it's uh, it's a little bit more entertaining overall game next overall. time. Second uh, half was just brutal. I hear you. I hear you. All right, guys. We appreciate it, man. Yeah. Good talking with y'all. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Have appreciate a good one, guys. Let me step back for a minute. 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 Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.